Welcome to another exciting episode of the Path to Manliness podcast. I am Ryan Fellman. <clears throat> I am joined by Aaron of Softfleet. And, uh, well, I'll just get to know him here a little bit. I'll go ahead and let Aaron introduce himself and tell us a little bit about who he is. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You, uh, you taking the time to chat and, uh, you know, let us come on to, to join you for the podcast. We, we really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. So uh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Aaron Woolman. I am the CEO of Softleet. Softleet is a human performance company. Uh, we sell digitally delivered physical training uh, and nutrition programs. That's really our, our core focus. Um, and in addition, we, uh, we also do sell some branded apparel and a very limited line of nutrition supplements as well. But really everything we do is focused around our physical training programs and the nutrition program uh, that goes with it. Interesting. And um, did I read that right, that you guys are all uh, ex-military and a lot of, a lot of spec ops guys, correct? Uh, so uh, we do have a number of combat veterans in the company, um, and most of which are uh, either current or former special operations guys. Um, and I am of all the, the partners in the company. I'm the only one without a military background. So my background is entirely in uh, equity and commodity derivatives, sales and trading, oddly enough. Oh, no, we, we have that in common. I've never been in the military yeah. either. So, um, yeah, and actually I do a little bit of a oh. trading background as well. Um, so that's, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't talk about it too often, but, but yeah, um, commodities. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Um, you know, uh, the, the finance and like trading environment is a pretty, pretty broad kind of generalization. Same way as like saying, you know, someone has been in the military, it's, it's yep. that can mean, you know, a, a thousand different things um, uh, of kind of like how long they were in and what kind of stuff they did and um, and and whatnot. So, yeah, but I think that uh, before, you know, before we formed Softly, uh, I knew the, the people who are now currently our partners pretty well. We were friends and um, some of them, you know, occasionally would kind of come up and, and uh, visit for the weekend or something like that. And they'd come in on a Friday and they always remarked about how the trading desk reminded them very much of a special operations team room environment. So maybe there's more. Yeah, I think uh, chaotic and, and certainly um, maybe like, uh, I don't want to say like wild and reckless, but uh, more, at least a little bit more unchained uh, might be the way to put it, you know, but I, I think the personality traits in my opinion, are very similar uh, in terms of, you know, special operations. And in my opinion, or at least, uh, although I, well, I don't want to, I don't want to focus too much on this, but I, I think the the industry is is changing. Um, the trading industry is it becomes like significantly more algorithmic and like analytical based. But historically, yeah. uh, you know, I think the the people who were drawn to it and they were successful were people that you know, manage risk very well, were independent thinkers, were risk takers, uh, made decisions quickly and decisively. And, uh, you know, all of those traits, uh, I think it's it's not surprising that you would find those uh, in your kind of typical special operations person as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in, in both environments, you uh, you can spend all day planning 
and uh, trying to anticipate what you think is going to happen. But, you know, with black swans and just different market events or political events um, for both, uh, you got to learn how to adapt and, and uh, react to events that you just can't foresee. So, yeah, no, totally, man. Um, yeah, and I think for both you know, times of, uh, or situations of chaos often, you know, lead to the, the most opportune, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, opportunistic periods as well. So, yeah, I think people forget that, um, a lot of people are kind of comfortable in stable environments, stable situations. They like that steady paycheck coming in every week, but, um, by introducing a little chaos into your life, you are giving yourself a lot of opportunity. And I mean, personally, I like it because I, I don't have a very good attention span so i need something like that to kind of hold my attention and, and uh, to keep me on my toes yeah yeah i'm, I'm with you man yeah so um yeah. yeah before we get too deep in the woods talking <laughs> training um sure. let's let's go back to the podcast so uh we were talking here before we started recording um i was complimenting your podcast and you were going on to explain that you, there's actually three different podcasts on there and i'm, I'm starting to see that now as i look through the list so yeah, so we, you know, we started with, uh, I, well, and I promise this will be the last time I circle this back, but, uh, you know, we started with kind of our, what we call our die living podcast. Um, you know, die living is kind of a, it's a mantra of ours. Um, yep. It's, it's a, a trademark mantra of ours, I guess. Um, you know, but the idea behind it is uh, really that it's this idea is at the same time uniquely personal and totally universal and when i say that what i mean is that you know pushing living a life of adventure and pushing your boundaries uh everyone understands what that means but you know those things are different to to every one of us you know for for you that might be finally summiting everest uh and for me that might be you know finally overcoming my fear of swimming and getting in a pool, uh, you know, or something that, that someone else would think would be super simple, right? Um, but it doesn't change the fact that relativistically, uh, those are big, big accomplishments for us of pushing our boundaries. So, you know, we started with that, uh, and the idea was to kind of bring guests on that we thought that uh, embodied that, that mantra and that lifestyle. Um, and we started, the first one was just us, and uh, we actually took it down because the first episode because the recording was so shitty. Uh, <laughs> there were like there were like six of us sitting around a table with like a you know a, a one microphone. Um, but yeah. we ended up reposting it because there were so many people that asked for us to bring it back, and and the the title of that episode was sociopathic tendencies. Uh, and really what we talked about was, you know, really what are the sociopathic tendencies that you tend to see in people that are successful in the special operations community uh, and in, in the Wall Street, like, you know, trading environment. Um, we actually later re-recorded that episode. So now there's two of them um, where we brought on uh, a few other guests, uh, all with, you know, with backgrounds in special operations, as well as a psychologist from the special operations community. So that's pretty interesting. But uh, we have that podcast, which is you know all all guests again. Uh, we have the performance podcast, which is uh, our coaching staff and our uh, registered dietitian nutritionist, who's a full time staff member of ours as well, um, talking to people in either the you know physical training uh, or human life sciences or nutrition space. And that podcast is uh, you know a little bit more technical. 
this for people that are really interested in kind of like learning more about the the science and, and our take on scientific research um, you know in in that space you don't have to be a scientist to understand it but uh, you know the concepts and discussions are, are focused on on those more educational type of things uh, and then the third podcast that we have which I can't even really believe is still a thing uh, is called bottom of the barrel and you know, our, our, our chief creative officer uh, was talking to me uh, and our chief content uh, officer, uh, he and I have a fantastic relationship. His name's Doug, um, but we fight like uh, like an old, you know, married couple. Constant, like that's the only way we communicate is constantly arguing. And uh, yeah, our chief creative officer was like, "Man, you guys, you guys should just do a podcast together." Uh, kind of Seinfeld esque, right? Like, you know, about <laughs> what? You know, about podcast nothing. About like, nothing. <laughs> I was like, who's no one's gonna want to listen to the two of us just bitch at each other for you know an hour or more, um, and that's become like one of our most popular podcasts. So apparently, people find it entertaining. Uh, I still to this day do not understand why. Yeah, um, I've found the uh, same thing actually because I've had a couple of podcasts where, uh, especially the earlier ones, where I try to keep the guests focused on what he does, and it it kind of devolved into just two guys casually talking about sports and and other nonsense and. You know, I, I mentioned to people, I'm like, yeah, I tried to, you know, really focus on on what he was building with his program, with his company. And they're like, oh, no, I liked it. I, I thought it was one of the best podcasts you've done. So there's something about that more natural conversation that people like. Totally, man. Yeah. So it's, uh, hey, you know, I mean, if people, if that's what people like, then that, that's an easy button for us. All we got to do is turn the microphone on. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it's pretty yeah. easy. I think that's um I think that's um one of the reasons why some of these longer podcasts do better too, because when you first get started, it takes you it takes you a minute to kind of establish a rhythm and a flow. And then about halfway through those like two hour podcasts, it gets a lot better. Um so sure. yeah, yeah, definitely. No doubt. Um yeah. Yeah, so when did you start this podcast? I mean, it's been going on for a while now, to judge by the uh, the number that you've done. Yeah, uh, man, I'm trying. You know, I don't have an exact date uh, off the top of my head, but it's probably been like two, two and a half years, um, and it's really been a, a you know quite an experience. In the beginning, uh, we had no idea what we were doing, uh, both from like a technical and kind of creative standpoint. It was more just hey, we've got some ideas that we think people would find interesting uh, in terms of discussion, obviously. So let's record them and put them out there and see what happens. Um, and as we got, you know, kind of further along, um, you know, one of the guys, our, uh, uh, you know, our, our head video guy, Brian, uh, who's in charge of uh, all of our basically like media production, um, he's got a background in audio engineering, so he came in and was like, wait a minute, like, you guys, how are you recording this stuff? <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, this, it doesn't need to be fancy, but we got to at least make this sound good. So, yeah, you know, yeah he yeah. came in and, and, yeah, put like a real board in and, you know, got some microphones and, and headphones and did some kind of post, uh, you know, processing cleanup. Uh, and And really, it's pretty... I mean, thinking about it, just talking about it right now, it's actually pretty amazing. Uh, if I think about the, the breadth of subjects we've been able to cover, um, it, you know, it's pretty interesting. I mean, 
you know, one of our most popular episodes, again, going back to kind of the lowbrow stuff, um, this is on the Dial Living podcast, was, was uh, all of us just telling shit stories. Um, <laughs> like everyone, everyone has one, you know, like no one doesn't have a somewhat embarrassing like poop story, you know, uh, and <laughs> And some people have a lot of them, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, everyone's, everyone's got at least one. And I, you know, we were, I was on an airplane texting with someone, uh, cause I'd been, I'd seen a, a long time friend over the weekend. I was coming back home and, and one of the stories had been rehashed. I was like, man, we should do a podcast about this. I was like, dude, I, that might be like a bridge too far, but <laughs> we did it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, one of those things it's like, you know, football to the nuts, like, like it doesn't get old, you know, like everyone loves it. Um, but we've also had, uh, you know, we had uh, one episode where we had a, a retired Marine special operations guy who's very well known in the community and was in, was in some pretty historically significant like units and operations, uh, as well as the, an active duty, uh, you know, current special operations guy you know, that is in a special missions unit, which is, you know, kind of the, the catch-all for really the, you know, the high, high, high level dudes. Um, and those guys came on, they wanted to talk about uh, the experiences of uh, taking another human being's life. And I think wow. that's something that, you know, in general uh, is not talked about. I think, it, it, let me rephrase that. It's less that those guys wanted to talk about it. It's more that they wanted to start a conversation about it. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, their feeling was that this is an experience that uh, a lot of guys in the military don't like talking about, uh, especially with other people that haven't been in the military. You know, I think it's one of those things that, um, well, I think most of life is actually like this. Like if you haven't experienced it, there's like no way for you to understand, you know? Uh, yeah. and, and that, that obviously is one of those situations, but uh, the more I've thought about that, the more I think that applies to, to basically everything, you know, it's like uh, certainly some experiences are more extreme than others. Um, but uh, you know, that is something, I mean, the same thing with, you know, being like a, you know, a father or a mother, like there's nothing, there's nothing they can describe. Yeah. You know, you could write a million words about what it's like to be a parent and uh, there's nothing that you could do that that's, could actually give someone that, that experience. Right. That's probably uh, but the anyway, perfect analogy. I, yeah. yeah uh, certainly one that at least more people can, can identify with. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It's very can, relatable. Yeah. And if you, if you are a parent, you've certainly had a time where you weren't a parent. So like you've seen that change. Um, but uh yeah that was a really cool podcast man i mean i think it was really uh really interesting to see those guys want to start that conversation and it definitely it definitely provoked a lot of feedback uh both positive and negative you know things uh right. that were in agreement you know like hey this is something that that there should be more discussion about you know that kind of falls along the whole, all the lines that go along with like you know, only 1% of the country serves in the military and increasingly uh, that is more insular as far as like the communities that people in the military come from. And, and fa you know, there's like this uh, family lineage or genealogy. I don't know what the, the right adjective would be, but like, 
you know, uh, increasingly it's more and more that like the same families are sending people into the military. And so if you're not in that sphere, if you're not from one of those towns, if you're not from one of those families, you become increasingly distant from the military. And I think, you know, some people feel like opening that conversation is important. Uh, and then I think there's other people that are kind of like talking about it at all. Like there's nothing you can do to make anyone understand that what, that hasn't experienced it. And talking about it at all is just uh, glorifying it or, uh, you know, kind of uh, treating it as kind of this like voyeuristic thing. Um, and that's, that itself is a really interesting and important conversation to have uh, as well. So, and I think there's valid arguments on, on both sides. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, it's, it's been cool, man. It's been really neat to sit and, and chat about a bunch of different topics and, and meet lots of different people as I'm, you know, I'm sure you're aware yeah. of doing this as well. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. You, you never know. Yeah. It's, it's actually one of the, um, one of the best ways to to not only reach a new audience but to meet more interesting people um you know even if it, if i didn't make a single dollar doing this i would still keep doing the podcast just to have the opportunity to talk to all these uh fascinating people especially for like you know an hour or two where you can actually sit down not distracted and get kind of deep in the woods of some of these conversations you know totally um yeah and like looking at your your list of of um of episodes i mean it, like you said, it, it ranges all over. Um, you know, I was listening to one earlier talking about um, um, the the effects from 9-11 with the uh, towers coming down, uh, causing cancer and, and other illnesses in these people. And then you uh, you mentioned how these soldiers going off into uh, Afghanistan or wherever, they're dropping bombs on these buildings. And then they're running into the buildings right after them. And it's they're having the same kind of medical issues of, uh, of these guys, these uh, first responders did on 9-11. And, you know, it's such a, an obvious thing after you say that, but it literally never, ever occurred to me that that could be a thing. Yeah, I think uh, with the military stuff, a lot of those guys, um, and we're starting to learn so much more about it now, but, um, yeah. you know, a lot of those guys have... Uh, really some kind of crazy exposures to the hazardous chemicals part some of it's like just through shooting uh you know like one of the guys that works with us uh had crazy high levels of lead in his blood Jesus. um you know it's just from like being around you know handling bullets all the time uh, right. anyone that's been deployed has been on a base you know where uh th there's constantly like these burn pits running uh, you know, burning stuff that either can't be, you know, it's too sensitive to be thrown away or maybe there is no place to throw stuff away. And uh, definitely lots of guys I've talked to are like, yeah, you know, like on one of my deployments, like, you know, I slept like 20 feet from the burn pit. So like, depending on how the, the wind was blowing, like I was just breathing that stuff in all the time. Um, and so, yeah, and then uh, on top of that, we're learning all kinds of stuff about, uh, you know, traumatic brain injuries and what the, the kind of, obviously, we've always known that if you have some type of massive concussive event, uh, you know, you hit your head or there's like some kind of, your, you know, major blast or, you know, some giant kind of force, that that's really bad. But one of the things we're learning a lot about now, too, is that there's also this like cumulative effect. Uh, you know, like smaller forces that just kind of add up over time. So, yeah, little micro concussions around, yeah, you know, 
uh, yeah, you know, dudes that are around like lots of breaching charges or uh, any type of like weaponry that has some type of blast, uh, you know, like recoilless rifle or something like that, uh, you know, that they're seeing like these kind of cumulative signs over time as well. So it's definitely, um, yeah, it's hazardous work. No yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, they don't seem to get a whole lot of, um, you know, medical attention after they're done. It's uh, military just kind of seems to, you know, let these guys go once they're discharged and just let them figure it out on their own. Yeah, dealing with the VA is definitely, uh, you know, again, like I've never done it. Um, I think it's very frustrating for some people, um, but I think that, you know, more and more we're seeing resources both inside and outside the military uh, to help people. And, and these may not be, the access may not be the same across different like branches and, and units. I definitely think the, the guys in special operations tend to have an easier time with access to programs and help uh, than often, you know, like big military people do. Um, but there are a lot of charity organizations uh, that are kind of out there that their sole focus is like trying to help people get their VA claims in and, and get tested for things and whatnot. Um, but it's definitely, it's a, it's a journey, you know, for sure. Yeah, no, it sounds like so. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's more than just the podcast. Like the, the main thing you guys do here is the, uh, nutrition and then the, uh, the fitness programs, right? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, that's how we started, you know, softly started really with kind of the simple concept that there, there needed to be a better training program for active duty operational special operations guys and so what that means is is that you know within special operations people that are obviously currently active um, but you know you could be uh, you know green beret in you know someone who's part of the special forces but that doesn't mean that you're operational what I say by that is that that doesn't mean that you're you know deployable or in kind of a, a deployment cycle you know you might be working at a schoolhouse training new green berets or you might be you know, an, an officer that's managing uh, something that's totally unrelated to, uh, you know, kind of the special forces mission. And that, that doesn't necessarily take away your Green Beret. It doesn't mean that you're not a Green Beret, you're not, you know, a special forces soldier anymore. Um, but, you know, what we, what we really want to do is put out a program that was for guys that were basically like team guys uh, and on special operations teams. And the, the idea behind the whole thing was that although there had been a shift for sure in, especially in the special operations community and training, uh, kind of away from the, you know, the classic like army, uh, you know, run 20 miles and do a thousand pushups and, you know, pull-ups and sit-ups kind of training mentality that there hadn't been enough of a move towards the type of training that was needed, you know, that guys were, no one was going to Afghanistan, no one was going to Iraq or anywhere else and, and needing to run 20 miles. Uh, you know, right. But what they were doing was going and wearing, you know, 100 pounds of gear and they might need to pick up someone who's wounded who's also wearing 100 pounds of gear and like sprint, you know, 400 meters to cover. And so we really launched with kind of a focus on, uh, you know, this kind of like raw strength, explosive power and kind of like shorter uh, shorter duration speed 
training program, uh, and it was very well received by the special operations community. Um, our, you know, our brand and our company is very authentic. I feel like authenticity is kind of one of those buzzwords that's lost its meaning. Um, but, yeah. but it's true uh, for us, you know, like uh, most of our company comes from that background. And, uh, you know, we're really proud of the fact that, uh, that we're taken very seriously by that community. We've never been uh, a company whose identity is on kind of, uh like i'm super tough like this is what i did you know thank me for my service uh any of that kind of stuff you know if anything uh we're the exact opposite one of the one of the articles that we've written that i think totally sums up kind of the the company uh culture uh especially externally uh very well and it continues to be like one of our most read articles and you know basically like website pages to this day uh is called surfers uh hippies hipsters surfers and snowflakes and it's counterculture and special operations um and, and you know the idea is that most of the dudes uh that are working in a special operations team uh are not the classic kind of uh you know high and tight haircut like military guys uh they're really dudes that are adventure seekers they're extreme athletes uh you know they're people again like independent thinkers and so you know any of my partners like if you saw them on the street you would think that they were like homeless surf bums or uh you know, <laughs> skateboarders or like you know something like that uh i mean there's really only one guy in the office i can think of that you know if you like walked in you'd be like oh yeah that dude that dude is like the stereotypical kind of uh he looks like he came out of like a call of duty video game or something like that right. um and uh you know the reality is that even though that might not be the idea in the public's mind of what people in the special operations community are like within the community, uh, you know, we're taken very seriously because of that, because we aren't, you know, uh, we aren't out there talking about how badass we are. If anything, uh, you know, anyone that's ever met someone who really is a badass, like the baddest ass dudes are not the dudes that tell you how badass they are. Yeah. Um, you know, the, they're usually the guys that don't seem like it and don't talk about it. So, uh, you know, we try to be the same way and it's reflected. I mean, you, if you walk into to any, any gym, uh, any special operations gym or, you know, any like special mission unit compound, uh, you're going to see dudes wearing soft lead shirts. And we're extremely proud of that. Uh, you know, we feel like we've, we've had to earn that respect. Uh, and, and we're very careful about, about protecting that uh, identity as well by being, you know, continuing to be true to ourselves and, in our company mission so but uh anyway yeah i mean we we started that way and uh we moved to a digital platform uh and then we built our own digital platform so you know we've uh, we've obviously expanded our programs are not just only for special operations guys right now um although that is you know still something that we're very proud of that a lot of guys will will use our programs and but uh, you know, we have we have an app that we built, and that app has a bunch of different programs for anyone that's really just starting out in fitness to people that are very high-level professional athletes, uh, is like any any special operator is. Um, 
all of those programs are tailored. So they're template based, but they're tailored to the individual, which means that, you know, if you can deadlift 600 pounds and I can only deadlift 50 pounds, um, assuming that's not because of some crazy injury that needs special attention, uh, like we can do the same program uh, and the program will adapt to, you know, your strength level and my strength level. And the same thing, you know, everything is paired with a nutrition program there's two different meal plans to choose from. Uh, one is a, a little bit higher carb, uh, you know, like lower fat, more of like an athlete diet. Uh, and one is a higher fat, lower carb diet uh, that, that isn't, is definitely not keto. It's not paleo. Um, we don't think that you can really, in our mind, you can't work out super intensely. Uh, and fuel your body long-term uh, without putting carbohydrates into it. Uh, it's just not sustainable. So, yeah, I, uh, I think some of those paleo and keto things get more popularized in civilian life where people aren't working out in extreme ways. You know, um, I'm not yeah. lifting guys up over my shoulders too often, but um, I, I do Spartan races. I, I do some uh, different obstacle courses and, and marathons, stuff like that. and you got to eat carbs. You just need the energy. Yeah. I don't know how else you can get through that. Kind of totally. Stuff. Totally, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're training for some type of physique competition um, yeah. or, you know, you have some kind of crazy, not even crazy, but some sort of type of like special dietary need uh, due to some type of allergy or illness or whatever, I get it. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, paleo and keto, uh, just like any other fad uh, is, people are looking for the, the easy button, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's good that people are taking more notice of nutrition. Uh, you know, a friend of mine uh, who, I mean, he didn't come up with this, but the first time I'd ever heard someone say it years ago, he's a, he's a cat one road cyclist. We were talking and, you know, he was like, you, you know, strength is found in the gym, like weight is lost in the kitchen. Yep. And, uh, you know, other people say, like, you can't out-train a bad diet, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's like can't nutrition is definitely yep. really, totally. Uh, the flip side is that you can't, um, you can't out-train a bad diet in terms of, like, man, if you're not eating well, uh, you're, you're not going to see the body composition and performance changes that you want to see uh, because your body is, you know, your gas tank is empty. So... Uh, I think it's important. I think it's important for people to look and and be realistic. You know, when you, I, I get it, you get excited about a new goal. Like, you know what, today's the day that I'm going to get off my ass and I'm going to fucking change my life. And I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start eating better. And you know what, I need to lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it is. Um, well, yeah, you want to like see it happen right away, you know, right. and it's easier for us to make those changes and feel like we're doing something, uh, but being really extreme, you know, today's the day I'm making the change and I'm not eating, you know, X anymore. Uh, you know, I'm only eating from these food groups or whatever. Um, you know, the reality is that it's, it, it's much more simple than that. And obviously all of the research has shown that, the more extreme of choices we make, uh, the less likely we are to succeed in the long run. And so same thing on the fitness side, right? Like, yep. you know, all the like, uh, you know, the only fitness tool you need is like this weird sandbag or a kettlebell or like what, you know, it's like, 
dude, that's cool if you're like traveling or, you know, you have uh, limited space or whatever, but like long-term, uh, there, there is no kind of like, there is no six minute abs, you know, right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Or, or seven, seven minute abs. Of course there's definitely no six minute abs, but, uh, yeah, but it's so marketable you know. to hear that. Right. Well, yeah, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Friday night or, you know, Sunday morning, people are feeling shitty about the week or the weekend you know it's like sit on the couch it's like it's easy to it's easy to click the buy button shit it's getting easier all the time like i, I can't believe how like apple pay i'm like yeah this is the greatest thing ever i don't even have to i don't even have to touch anything it's like it's, just stare yeah. at my face and i'll you know I, I want it so i can just like i can like blink without moving my head you know like it's like delivered to your door in 15 minutes yeah. Um, so it's it's easy to make those kind of belief affirming purchases and and same thing. You know, the research shows that you get that endorphin rush, you get that positive feedback um, just from making the the decision, right? So it's like every right. time you're like, yeah, I'm gonna like sign up for a new workout program or buy this new piece of equipment or but you know whatever. It's like, well, you're still sitting on the couch, you know, with McDonald's crumbs all over your shirt, but now you feel better about it. <laughs> you know like in that moment um so what's but, uh, what's the first step off the couch then how do you how do you go from mcdonald's crumbs to uh the some kind of abs six minute abs pull-ups whatever we're doing uh I, you know what dude i i've been it's funny like i was talking to someone about this and i'm gonna give you uh i'm gonna give you i want to say my secret because it's way over <laughs> dramatizing it um but i think that the most powerful tool for changing your psyche uh in the in the modern day uh assuming that people are on social media is like we don't realize how much we curate the the i wouldn't i don't even want to get into news with like all the fake news and all that kind of shit but like right we don't realize how much we curate the media feed that we're getting right i, and then, I agree and not only that but social media knows what we're looking at and so they're like feeding us ads and stuff that, yep that they think we want to see right so it's like chances are and you might not even be aware of this you don't have to be a foodie like if you're some you know if you're some dude that like works in a and i'm going to paint like the most depressing picture i can think of but like you know you're some dude that like works in uh you know for Inatech and in the accounting department uh from office space and you work in <laughs> yeah. suburban whatever you know, and your lunches are going to like Chili's, uh, you know, with your office mates or whatever, and you go home and you sit on your couch and, and whatever. Um, you know, dude, your your social media feed is going to be all about that cool car you've been thinking about buying, or you know, again, like what's what are the specials at Chili's, or like here's this cruise you should take, all this kind of stuff. And and what I would say is like, first of all, uh, you know, pick there's two things one like pick a goal that's reasonable right like i want to run a 5k i want to run a spartan race like whatever perfect set it like you know four to six months out so that you have enough time to actually train for it and like realistically prepare yourself and then go in and i think uh you know on facebook it's maybe more dramatic to be like fuck it i'm not gonna like talk to any of my friends so i think that on instagram start a new account, go in, wipe your feed, start a new account, whatever. And now start following, who are you going to follow? Like, 
I'm going to follow, you know, blogs like Mark's Daily Apple, like, uh, you know, healthy, like healthy recipe, Instagram feeds and Spartan race and like, uh, you know, fitness equipment companies. And, all, and now you, you get this, this tool where you're building an entirely new newsfeed, right, for yourself that it's all about the goal that you want to attain. And so throughout the day or whenever, like you sit down and you're looking at your social media feed instead of having things, and now you're tricking the algorithms too, right? You're tricking social media into helping you reinforce your goals instead of, you know, seeing an ad for like, you know, check out the new like triple bacon beef, like taco <laughs> breakfast sandwich. Uh, no, yeah, I understand. I actually... I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I, I block every single food ad that I see because I just, I, I don't need it in my life. You know, it's totally. not, it's not but, even that I'm not disciplined. It's that every time I see a food ad, there's a chance that I'm like, well, now I am hungry. And when, when I don't see it, I don't think about it. Yeah. Well, dude, and sometimes, uh, sometimes shit slips through the cracks. It's funny. Yeah. Like, uh, generally I don't like talking shit about people. That's my disclaimer that I'm about to talk shit about someone. But like, <laughs> Uh, I saw this ad on Instagram and it was for, it was like, check it out, like new, like healthy, like high protein, like, like, uh, chicken chips or something like that. And I was like, man, that, that looks kind of cool. Like could be like cool snack for the office. Uh, you know, it's whatever, like 15 grams of protein per bag and basically, all right, cool. So I ordered them, uh, and they came and I don't, uh, I know they're not lying about the nutrition facts. But, you know, I opened the first one and it's fucking fried chicken skins. I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is like the fucking, this is the fucking same shit when you go into like a country grocery uh, gas station and there's like a wall of fucking pork rinds. This is like yeah. the fucking, Ugh. the hipster version. I'm like, you fuckers, you got me. God damn it. So, uh, yeah, sometimes shit still slips through the cracks. But in any event, I think that, uh, you know, the the whole point is like, just pick a goal, do something every day. I mean, I, you know, I'm like embarrassed to admit this uh, because, uh, well, just because I think, I think it's silly. Um, but things got so busy with Softly in like the last six months of last year um, that every day I was like missing my workouts. You know, I gained 20 pounds uh, and it was just not happening. And this year, you know, when we got into December, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I run my, I run my day very, uh, very strictly through a calendar. That's how I organize all my time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm like putting my workouts on the calendar every day. There you go. And, um, you know, it doesn't make me do the workouts, but what it does help significantly for me is when someone's like, you know, I've got a packed day and then it's like, oh, hey, man, like, can we hop on a call? Like, I need to get in touch with you. Let's hop on a call today to discuss this. Before, what was happening was in my mind, it was like, all right, I'm going to work out at noon. You know, from noon to one, that's going to be my workout. And then at like 1130, it's like, shit, well, I've got all this stuff to do. Um, all right, I'll work out at, you know, four o'clock instead. Well, now it's like, maybe I will rearrange the time if something comes up. I'm not uh, you know, draconian being like, nope, every day from fucking 10 to 11, I don't give a fuck what's going on. Like, I'm not missing that workout time, but that block is on my calendar. And so if it's like, hey, my workout scheduled from 10 to 11, uh, and there's this really important meeting that's also from 10 to 11, all right, well, I'm just going to move it. But now that's taking up like another part of my day time-wise. 
Uh, yeah. And I don't want myself, you know, just delete it. So. No, I think that's important. And then people with the less important stuff, they'll start recognizing that that's your time to work out. You know, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I tend to work out early in the morning. I think it helps be more productive too. So there's always that argument. It's like, oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy with work. I, I think if you get a workout in either before or during or after, I think it makes you a more productive worker in so many ways. Um, totally, man. Yeah, and totally. I, I typically tend to work out on my own, but like every Monday, like I, I meet with a group and that, that's my day. You know, people, they know me well enough. They'll, they'll say like, oh, you're, you're busy Monday afternoon, you get that workout thing, but let's, let's do this on Tuesday then instead. They, you know, they, they start to kind of accept that that's what your routine is, you know. Yep. Uh, it's, it's important. I don't think people understand how important a workout is. It affects your mood. It affects your health. It affects how you, how you look. I mean, I, I start getting angry and like kind of grumpy if I miss a workout after about a week or so. I think a lot of people. Totally, are, man that are struggling with depression and anxiety or anger issues. Not, not, this is a blanket statement, but I think a lot of these people, they need to get outside more and they need to work out more and it'll solve some of their problems. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, there's that funny kind of, uh, pharmaceutical, you know, spiff, uh, video about nature, you know, the, the nature prescription, which is pretty <laughs> rad. I'm sure if you, if you YouTube it, uh, you'll find it. It's pretty funny, but, uh, yeah. you know, there's, I've been thinking about getting, uh, more tattoos on my calves, uh, this Latin phrase, one word on each one, uh, you know, Salvatore Ambulando, you know, it, uh, which is, it is solved by walking. Um, I like that. And yeah, you know, it's like, and that really speaks to, in my opinion, the, the root of what you were just talking about, which is, Dude, just getting up off your ass and moving around totally shifts your mind frame. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's one of those things, especially when you haven't been doing it, uh, you don't realize like how much of a stress relief it is, how much it resets your mind, how much it uh, resets your day. And yeah, I mean, it literally, I mean, I would actually, man, I'd love to talk to some kind of you know neurologist to talk about how the brain is wired because I'm, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't actually, you know, change your brain chemistry in some way, shape, or form, uh, even if it's just slightly, so that that changes how you think. There's definitely something to that. There, the other interesting thing uh, this got brought up recently on Twitter is how a lot of people, when they're on the phone talking to somebody, they tend to walk around almost, um, almost involuntarily. I'll, I'll do this in a yep. small room. Like I'll, I'll walk around in a tiny little circle to the point where I might get dizzy. And it's just this weird, I, I feel like it's just hardwired into human's DNA to walk and talk at the same time. I don't know if it's just like genetic memory or what it is, but there's, there's something to this whole idea of walking and talking and thinking. And it, it all kind of connects in some strange way that people don't even think about. Totally. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not meant to be static, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I don't have a Fitbit anymore, but I used to, and this one does it too, I guess. I got a Garmin, and uh, they, they ding you every, I don't know how often they do it. Fitbit would do it every hour on the hour. And this thing just does mm -hmm. it after some random time, but it'll, it'll ding you and just, it'll tell you to move. And man, this yeah. is one of the best inventions I ever, or one of the best products I ever bought because I'll start working on something, I'll be writing, and I kind of get in the zone. 
And uh, before I know it, I'm sitting at my computer for an hour straight, not doing anything. And then it kind of buzzed my arm. I'm like, all right, all right, I can, I need to take a break and walk away and just, you know, get the blood flowing again. But the average person, totally. you're listening to two hour long podcasts, right? They, uh, they're yeah. working somewhere. Sitting around. You're doing it on the, on the treadmill or exercise <laughs> bike or doing That's, a workout, right? Yeah. I try to do it when I work out. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. So, that was definitely, uh, I mean, one of the worst parts of being in the trading industry was I mean, you are chained to the desk. You yeah. Know, the, there isn't a lot of like nighttime work, which is pretty rad. Nights and weekends are pretty free. But mm-hmm. dude, from the time you walk in to the time you leave, the only time you like the only time you stand up uh, and to walk around is to go take a piss. And yeah, pretty yeah. Much, I mean, you know, pretty much what about five so, hours straight sitting there, kind of staring at the screens. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least you know more. It's just while like, it's open. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, only only the guys that are in the the old school agricultural markets and stuff might get days that short. The the <laughs> nine to one trading hours or nine to two trading hours or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's that definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're in a stressful environment, and uh, same thing with dudes from the military. You know, hopefully, those guys get that. Uh, you know, that kind of like physical workout uh, because they have to be in shape for their jobs. Um, or at least most of them do. Yeah. So dealing yeah. with that stress is, is important, man. We all, we all react differently to different levels and different types of stress, you know? Um, I think uh, there was, when I was just out of college, uh, like a few years out of college, uh, I had a roommate friend of mine from high school and she was in medical school um and she was in like the last year of medical school she was doing her rotations we had a party at our apartment um i just started working for bear stearns as an equity derivatives trader and uh this guy was there he was uh he just started his surgery residency and we were talking and he was like, man, he's like, I don't know how you handle doing what you do. Like, I can never handle the stress of it. I'm like, dude, I'm not like cutting people over, open, you know, like, uh, yeah. like no one, no one ever dies, like during my, during my time uh, I feel, work. I feel the same way. And it was, it was just really eye-opening to kind of hear him be like, no, man, like, sur- like whatever, surgery, you know, that's like in this controlled medical environment, but like, uh, it, it was really kind of cool just to be like, wow, uh, you know, what, what different takes we have on different stressors and, and environments, uh, you know, finding, finding what suits you well, obviously is, is important. Yeah. It's, I can't understand how people can, can deal with like the medical side of things. You know, like you said, like, I don't, I don't know how people can handle dealing with life and death is the stress that, comes with you know if you make a mistake somebody could die and then i'm sure there's some of them that couldn't handle the financial loss that you might see some people have so um <laughs> so everyone's just different so yeah totally. yeah yeah I, I like what you were saying earlier about the how you got started getting off the couch job the idea of like picking a race um i got i went through a pretty rough divorce about two and a half years ago or so and like 
during the whole process of that and, and then the last like year or so of my marriage, or I guess the whole year of my marriage, um, I, I'd gotten myself out of shape too. And I did the same thing you just described where I went and found a race and to sign up for it. And uh, uh, the timing of it didn't work out. So I didn't have a lot of time to train. <laughs> I just kind of threw myself at it. And then um, somehow survived running a 5K at 220, miles, 220 pounds without really training for it. And then just went on to the next one. But um, those those races, they're not easy to do if you don't train. They're not easy to do if you're overweight. It's a perfect motivator to actually want to like show totally. up to the gym and to eat better. Yeah, well, and I think the 5K thing too, man, it's one of those things that, uh, dude, if you're really committed to doing it, like you, you can get your ass from the starting line to the finish line. Uh, you know, that might mean yeah. Yeah, anyone can do it. a fucking you know, a 20 minute mile. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't really be running, but it's like, you can walk it in about 20 can, minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. Each I mean, mile. you can, yeah. you can show up and you can do it. Uh, yeah. is the bottom line, you know, uh, and honestly, uh, just doing it and proving to yourself that you can do it. Even if you walk half of it, Yeah. you know, you're super overweight and you're like, this is going to be my goal. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't be down on yourself for not, uh, you know, getting the time that you wanted or whatever, like use that as motivation to kind of learn about your, your training regimen, uh, you know, what you've been doing and like now, all right, you know, set the next goal. Um, yeah. I think the, you know, five days and stuff are super easy uh, because they're, they're always happening. Uh, you know, again, you can show up and kind of do them at your effort if you want to, uh, your effort level and pace, obviously. Um, but I think that there's, dude, there's so many different things you can sign up for. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be a race, right? Like it could be, uh, you know, I want to like kayak this section of the river or, you know, do anything. Uh, but just doing something that, um, and even, you know, vacation based, I mean, that goes back to take our like stereotypical, you know, suburban, uh, you know, accounting department going to Chili's for lunch guy uh dude instead of going on a cruise to Cabo you know fucking book a vacation where you know you you hike Machu Picchu or something uh yeah which I think is uh you know like a, an easy there's lots of different ways to do things where and, and honestly most vacations that are centered around some type of physical activity are like cheaper than vacations where you're just like having stuff done for you, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's funny how some of the healthier options are a lot more um, either free or cheaper. You know? Totally. And way more adventurous. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of crazy shit you can do. Uh, yeah, makes for perfect Instagram things. pictures, right? <laughs> Dude, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, the added bonus. One of my friends uh, who's always like kind of been into sailing, um, you know, went on this vacation that was, you're, you're like helping crew like an America's cup of, you know, it's like not, uh, or whatever, you know, I'm sure I'm like fucking up the description, but it's like, you spend a week on a professional like racing sailboat, you're not in like a real race, but you know, with a captain and a couple of dudes who really know what they're doing. Um, you're working your ass off, man. You know, like yeah. maintaining the boat and, uh, you know, getting the fucking, whatever, I don't even know the terminology. 
shipping the line. To I'm the last guy to talk to about voting technology or terminology. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, dude, there's so many, the, the same thing, social media, dude, go back to Instagram, start following like cool vacation idea, you know, accounts. Yeah. And, and it's going to start serving you up ideas. You yeah. Um, yeah. So. Your own, you your audio, your audio feeds a little screen. hard to hear right now. I don't know if you're on speaker or not, but it's, um, oh, it's got a little, sorry, it's got a little muffly. You're good. Um, the, the idea of curating your media feeds really smart too. I think, um, I think you'll find a lot of the people that get really angry at politics on either side of the aisle. Just they spend too much time following those people. And then, like you said, the algorithm thinks that you want to follow more of those people. So it becomes that positive feedback loop and it just keeps sending you more and more stuff. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to give into like the, uh, the outrage machine where you're just constantly clicking on these articles that are making you angry where, or you could, uh, you know, like you said, focus on people that are eating better, running races. You know, I, I've got mine on, on Twitter set up where it's pretty much mostly guys that are either creative, doing something really interesting, or, you know, incredibly informative. But I, I've gotten away from the political stuff. I've gotten away from the negativity. And I, I hate to say it, but it really affects your mood. Totally, man. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I will admit, so I recently, last year I got back into motorcycle riding uh, after cool. a many years hiatus. And, uh, you know, I started watching like everything, all the media I consumed was all about riding, uh, right. you know, and uh, training and all kinds of stuff. And occasionally, you know, I'd be on YouTube watching like training videos or kind of like accident, kind of like breakdowns uh, and analysis. And, uh, you know, I ended up like on one of these kind of like, you know, uh, you know, uh, road rage versus motorcyclists or whatever type of <laughs> yeah. videos. And, yeah, I've seen some of those. Dude, it's like, if you stop and take it a second, you notice, and I noticed this because of looking at my Apple Watch, it was like, my heart rate was high. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was like, what, uh, you know, my heart rate went, my resting heart rate from sitting at the computer went from like high fifties to like high eighties. Um, and it's like, wow. you don't even realize how agitated you're getting just like watching TV. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, that definitely has an effect physiologically, uh, at, at a, even a very simple level, forget about, Again, going back to you know neurochemistry and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it yeah. sounds goofy, but there there are some perks to these little Apple watches, Fitbits, and all that stuff. I mean, they um, it's it, it'll let you tell like what's what's agitating you, what's making you angry. It's it's kind of eye opening. I didn't realize how inactive Dude. I was until I started wearing them. <laughs> For sure, man. It's funny, you know. We were uh, we went to. Well, I won't get into the details of it, but there were three of us from the company that went to rural France last year uh, on a work trip. And we were with this dude who was, we joked, I was like, man, you need to buy like a Subaru WRX because you're like a, you're driving like a rally driver. Um, <laughs> and the three of us were like crammed in the backseat of this guy's car. And we went out one night and it's like, he's like literally, you know, we're on these like one and a half lane wide country roads. Uh, in the no street lights i mean it's like being in like rural america and 
he is cruising like you know uh getting up to like 90 miles an hour i'm like i'm like this is this is it man like this is where i'm gonna die um and uh one of the guys next to me like we're almost back home from where we were going it's been about half an hour and he holds up his apple watch and shows me and it's the notification that his exercise ring had been closed (laughs) uh and like i was laughing and then all of a sudden it's like ding like i get one and the dude next to me gets one and we we look and it's the same thing like like my heart rate had been for a minute (laughs) yeah for like that whole ride uh it was was like wow all right um yeah we don't we don't realize yeah kind of we're not conscious of it at least i guess most of the time but i'm i'm also sad because i'm a big analog watch fan and so I yeah I haven't gotten to the point where I'm wearing one on each wrist. I've seen people do that, uh, and I, I may almost be there. Um, I, I've done I, it. I really <laughs> love. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a Fitbit for a while, and the Fitbit's so subtle; it's like you can kind of like not even notice it. And like you said, I like right. the analog watches too. And I've got a handful of nice ones, but the the Garmin that I wear now looks like an actual watch. Like it's it's wide, yeah, it's it's big, it's circular, and, and now I get I get comments whenever I wear both of them at the same time. But like, I don't know, I, I get a lot of useful information about the fitness watch, but I don't think about it aesthetically. I I think about it as you know just utilitarian. If I put it on my ankle, it won't fit. But if I put it around my ankle and no one saw it, I would still do it. Whereas right. like an analog um, watch, it's kind of a, a piece to show off a little bit to look nice, you know, different. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I love my Apple Watch for just, you know, unlocking my laptop and, yeah. um, you know, the fact that it's connected to my phone and all this other kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like if I put both on, you know, I don't know. If you've ever seen those pictures of Diego Maradona, the famous Argentine soccer player, uh, you know, he, the, the hand of God. He was the coach of their World Cup team, and there's these awesome pictures of him on the sidelines with his arms crossed, you know, in his suits, and he's got he wears two Hublot Big Bangs. Oh Jesus, they're uh, huge too. Well, oh, yeah, one on each wrist. It's <laughs> like, man, what a what a. I mean, it's like it's so crazy, but so awesome at the same time. I mean, it's like it's so ridiculous, matching Big Bangs. It's one of those like just just stupid opulent displays you know Um, that's amazing but yeah (laughs) it looks awesome though Uh, i googled him there's a picture of him like like gasping like he's got both his hands up on his on his face they're like rubbing against each other (laughs) totally man like awesome uh yeah but uh coke fueled soccer star uh that's what you did but in any event yeah i guess maybe Maybe I'm gonna have to pull a Maradona and break out the analog and and do yeah. it. Do it up. Make it, make it happen. Who cares? There you go. Right. The older I get, the less so, I give a shit about what other people think or say. I'm just like fuck it, dude. Totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm in my 40s. I'm married. I've got kids. Like I, I could, I could fucking care less. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm getting there early, Whatever, man. I'm only in my thirties, but no, I, I feel you. It's uh it's it's kinda liberating, you know, like it's I, I like to look nice and all, but like I if someone's got an issue with what I'm wearing or what I'm I don't I don't care. It's not gonna affect my day. 
That's great, man. Dude, I, uh, you know, every year I, I go through my closet and anything that I haven't worn in a year, mm-hmm. uh, that isn't some type of like specialty thing, you know, it's right. like, it's like, you know, snow pants or whatever, but I haven't gone skiing that year. Obviously I'm going to keep those, uh, you know, but if it's like t-shirts or whatever, uh, you know, if I haven't worn that shit in a year, it's fucking going to goodwill. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm overdue, but I, uh, I do this thing where like every um, every New Year's, I, I didn't do it this year, but I, I normally I'll take everything in my closet and take the uh, the hanger with the clothes on it and like reverse it, yeah. you know, so the hook's facing the opposite direction. And then when I wear the shirt and I put it back on, I, I put it back to normal. And then at the end of the year, like whatever it. stuff didn't get flipped back to normal, I think about getting rid of. I usually do get rid of it. There you go, man. Yeah, dude, that and uh, I try and keep like a one-in, one-out system. Um, uh, yeah that's another good one you know you need less shit than you think but last time i did it dude i took all my ties i was like i haven't worn a tie in three years four years if i need a tie again i'll go buy one uh yeah like you can find it for like 10 bucks know. on amazon it could be here in a day yeah i can't like i have no idea when i'm gonna need one again uh and i really cannot think of a scenario where i need one right now so uh i I've, yeah. I've worn a tie when i was going through my divorce and then I went to like a, a meeting in front of a bunch of bankers a couple of years ago. That's that's all I can think of the last time I wore a tie in the last like five or ten years. Like it's basically Even then, I think job interviewing is mostly. Yeah, well, maybe job interview. I would think yeah. that even meeting with bankers, like if you're wearing, if you look good, if you're wearing a nice suit and shirt, like you're not yeah. wearing a tie, no one's gonna be like, "Who the fuck is this clown?" <laughs> um, no, I was by far the most overdressed <laughs> person there, and I was I was kind of okay with that. But yeah, yeah normally yeah. I don't. I hate, I fucking hate ties. Joe Rogan's yeah. got this big thing about ties where he's like, you can't, you don't want to wear a tie. What if you get into a fight? That, that's a noose around your neck. You will get <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> right? So yeah, man. I'm, my, uh, my old boss, uh, when I was at Bear Stearns, the dude who, who was my boss was the, the greatest boss I've ever had. Uh, in fact, he was, I mean, I look at him like uh, a second father, not in, in the sense of like my father wasn't around, but just in terms of the the amount of wisdom uh, and kind of like life teachings that he imparted upon me was massive. I mean, he had a, a huge role in, in shaping who I am as a person uh, and definitely who I am as uh, kind of a, a businessman uh, and I would say business leader. Um, he was totally selfless uh, and was very on top of his game and it was just super rad. But he also was uh, this like 6'3 Cuban guy, uh, former Olympic rower. And before he was an Olympic rower, uh, he was uh, an offensive lineman uh, at Tulane in college. Oh, wow. And yeah, big dude. Uh, definitely kind of stereotypical like uh latin temper maybe uh if that's the way to put it sure and uh yeah man some of his friends were like dude we got back from the olympics we were out at this club and uh this guy you know started talking shit to raul and he basically he was wearing a tie he's like raul grabbed him by the tie and pulled him forward and punched and knocked him out while i want you know, tie or holding his tie. <laughs> like, man, that's like some like TV show shit that I don't think actually happened in real life. 
Yeah, right. But uh, that's crazy. Apparently, it does. Were, were you working at Bear yeah. Stearns when when they uh, collapsed? I was not. Uh, okay. I left in two thousand five. Beginning two thousand five. That was close. Yeah. Yeah, it was close. Um, but it was awesome, man. I mean, it was. I look back at it now, uh, and I really feel very lucky. Um, just timing, mean, you know, it's like timing is everything in life. Yes. Uh, and I feel very lucky to have been in the seat that I was in, both from uh, being fortunate just financially, uh, as well as just fortunate to like have a really cool seat at the table, uh, that part of the table for history. Um, you know, I, uh, I started there in, in two, uh, 2000. Um, and the books that I traded were defense and energy. Oh, so uh, not only did I get to see the, you know, firsthand uh, the collapse of like Enron and Williams and Dynegy and all, you know, all these energy companies um, that kind of collapsed at the, you know, the end of the decade, kind of beginning of the decade. Um, right. But I got to trade the energy and defense companies through, you know, September 11th and, and following that. Um, and that was, uh, that was a really interesting time. It was also really interesting just to be in an investment bank, um, during that kind of run up and, you know, that massive, yeah. uh, basically like risk tolerance. Right. So, you know, I'd come from, uh, a small floor trading firm where, you know, there were, your constraints were based on like how much capital you had available. Uh, and remember you know sitting down at Bear Stearns and I was like all right so like what are the portfolio constraints and it's like oh it's all based on VAR you know like what's VAR what's value at risk what's that well we have this formula we decide how much value you have at risk uh and you can't exceed that like but you know but like right. what are the funding limits like well they're based, there are no funding limits you know so uh yeah I mean it's crazy like I was a you know 23 year old guy Jesus. uh you know trading you know 30 40 million dollar portfolio uh and it was uh looking back at it i'm like man it's like that's so bonkers i you know i, I wasn't same. an idiot but i definitely didn't totally know what i was doing i think um, everyone feels that way though at 23 like i there's very few people i think at 23 that jump into a job and feel comfortable in it you know like i wasn't trading 30 million dollar portfolios but i was like you know, basically doing all these contracts that were worth like 50,000, 100,000. I was like fresh out of college. After what work, I would go to the local bar and get drunk, uh, mostly grains, you know, right. a, lot of, a lot of soybeans, a little bit of wheat, corn, cool. stuff like that. So Ooh, uh, the cornerstone uh, of the Chicago financial market. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was on the, uh, that was on like the cash side. So like physically buying it at first, but you know, then after that, wow. I was trading it on, uh, like the, uh, the trading side, the electronic side. Cool. A lot of, a lot of derivatives, a lot of fun stuff that people don't understand, but if they did, it's not half as complicated as it sounds. <laughs> Dude, half the people that were trading that stuff didn't understand it. I mean, I, uh, I think they still you know, don't. Does anybody no, understand the oil them. markets right now? I mean, it doesn't right. quite compute. No, well, hey man. A little bit. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, when there's more buyers than sellers, than, yeah. uh, the price goes up. My favorite, my favorite line I, I say to myself all the time is the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay insolvent, you know? Yeah. 
So totally, just, just because you're right doesn't mean you're going to get paid. <laughs> no. Well, that, I mean, discipline really is the name of the game there. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, anything else. I was sure Tesla was going to crash the other day. So I bought a couple puts on it and those are worthless now. So whatever. Yeah, dude, that's the, that's, that's, that's the hot a, dice game to be in. There's just so many people that are excited about it. They don't, they don't want to see it go down. There's not really any competition, I guess. I and mean, who's competing against Tesla? So well, I don't know. You know, stock price doesn't really reflect uh, the long. I mean, supposedly it reflects the long term, but the day-to-day movements really reflect yeah. more the the liquidity. Yeah, rather than anything else. There's plenty of stocks that get highly overvalued because there's more buyers and sellers. It's that simple. Yeah. 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 Crazy times. It is crazy times. It's always crazy times. It's good times, though. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get back on track for a couple minutes here and we can wrap this up. So what do you want to tell people that um, that want to get in shape, that want to start working out better, looking for just a little guidance i think a lot of people because i get a lot of feedback from people that follow me and a lot of them just they don't know how to start they don't know how to eat better they don't know how to work out it's a lot of people are more basic than you would think you know, they're, they're hung up on that oh, stage you probably know I that it, than I, do. I also <laughs> yeah i also get it that if you don't know if you don't really know where to start um that even the things that are simple, like if you don't know what they yeah. are, you don't know the questions to ask. Uh, yeah, those simple good. things may be beyond your grasp, right? Right. Uh, not in terms of beyond your grasp of comprehension, but just beyond your visibility. Um, I think that it's really important uh, for for two things. One, uh, it's important for everyone. Uh, even even the best coaches have a coach. Uh, that are, you know, writing training programs for them. And I think that it's really important that everyone pays for some type of like quality training program. And the reason that I say that is not because the the program um, needs to be, like if you're getting off the couch, like you don't need some like high level athlete thing. Um, but you do need something that's like day after day, you can just show up, and you know open up your email open up this app on your phone open up whatever and you don't have to think about it you don't have to find a new you know five-day fitness routine in men's health or anything like that because if you do that if you do decide like oh i'm just going to do this uh you know five-day thing or 30-day thing like at the end of that 30 days now you got to find something else you can say you're going to do it over and over again you know i know a dude that's like I'm on my 12th time of doing P90X. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, Jesus. it's, uh, yeah, like, I can't believe that mentally you're like, like, to me, that's the most uh, mind blowing thing. I'm like, dude, like, like, I can't believe you're, you're still sticking to it. Um, so I think that it's really important for people to get some type of programming option. Uh, you know, our programming provided for them. And, and you know what? It's super easy to do. Obviously, I'm talking my own book because we pay, we do that. The other thing that I think is really important is that people tend to overpay. They overspend on shit. So it's like, 
instead of just being like, I'm going to buy this, this app or, you know, uh, you know, training program or whatever. It's like, all right, I'm going to find a personal trainer that's going to write a program just for me. And I spent 300 bucks a month on it. It's like, dude, the only people that need programs written specifically for them are people that are dealing with injuries yeah. that require severe modification or really high level athletes that are at yeah. a level where it's like, they're training for something specific and they need a coach that can work with the, the day-to-day and month-to-month progress and feedback that their body is, is giving. Anything else, no one should be spending more than 50 bucks a month on nutrition and physical fitness programming combined. Uh, the Softly app, I think, is obviously one of the best. Um, we combine the two, you know, going back to kind of like you can't train a bad diet. It's like all you have to do is sign up there's a bunch of different programs to choose from. We have a wizard and an app that'll help you find the right training program to start with, depending on what your your level of fitness is, what your history is, your training age, as we would call it, uh, and what kind of equipment you have available to you. And uh, and then again, from there, once you've entered all your information, the nutrition program is totally tailored. So maybe you don't need all of the same recipes or you know on the day that they're prescribed. Uh, you can switch them around in our app, but it will help you understand the the caloric and like macro, macronutrient load that you need to be putting into your body to achieve your goals. So I think that's really important. Um, and then again, you know, it's like one day at a time, uh, you know, reframe the media that you're consuming to help you achieve your goal, uh, set a goal that you want to achieve, and then don't worry about you know, if you if you missed a workout today, like just make sure you get one in tomorrow. Not every workout, nothing is a straight line in life. You know, it's not going to be like today sucked, but tomorrow's a little bit better. The day after that's a little bit better. You're going to get sick. Uh, you know, you're going to go out and eat a fucking 5,000 calorie hibachi meal or something like that, and you're going to weigh yourself the next day and fuck, I, I gained four pounds yesterday. Like, no, you didn't, man. Uh, you know, it's like you're fucking bloated with water and all kinds of shit. Like, yeah. you know, just uh, just march forward. Uh, march forward and fucking pick a target that you're, you're headed to and make a plan and follow the plan. Believe in the plan. Uh, oh, that's and that's it. That's all you got to do. It's, uh, it's not hard, but everything's hard when you don't know how to do it. So... Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. So yeah, I mean, this, this is the perfect place to start. I mean, it's, it's super affordable. You got a lot of good knowledge and, uh, Hey, you got a, you got a free, uh, 10 day trial, no excuses, right? Exactly, man. You know, certainly worth checking out. All right. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me. It's been good. And, uh, I wish we could talk a little longer, honestly, because I could probably talk stocks and trading all that shit forever um yeah man we'll definitely have to do it again definitely i'd love to do it again um your uh social media i think everywhere is softly hq as in softly headquarters yep. and then softly.com's website right that's right yeah s-o-f-l-e-t it's the combination of soft special operations forces and athletes so. I figured the athlete part out. I wasn't sure about the other part. Perfect. Yeah, well, you thank you. I'll, thank I'll you, Aaron. Question. All of you <laughs> thank you. I appreciate your time uh, having me on. This was a real pleasure. So. Oh, good deal. I'm glad you enjoyed I, uh, it. Look forward to chatting again.
yeah, we'll do it again sometime here. All right. Path to awesome. Podcast. Thank you. Signing off. If you enjoyed this episode of the Path to Manliness Podcast, be sure to write us a review. That way we can reach more men that are lost and need direction in their life. And if you feel that you are lost and you need direction in your life, or you simply are looking for brotherhood, a sense of belonging, a place where you can be a man, a traditional man, and be around other men who are motivated and working to build something themselves. Check out patreon.com slash path to manliness to gain access to the private Discord server where you can connect with other highly motivated individuals. 